the fourth week of Advent. We celebrate the love of God. And I love the beginning of the Gospel of John. I think it's one of the most beautiful beginnings of any book ever written. The beginning was the Word. And uh, to remember that our Creator came amongst us because of His love and His goodness. So we're going to celebrate that today as we uh, really dive in to that. You'll notice it's a purple-colored candle. So again, it's a, uh, it's a week of preparation that we really can't celebrate Christmas or the advent of Christ fully if we don't experience the love of God, because that's the whole purpose. I, I like all the, the parties and the fun things like that, but, uh, and uh, the celebrations and the Christmas music. I actually like Christmas music. I like the traditional hymns and all of those things. It makes me very happy, but the most important thing of Christmas is that we remember how much God loves us and demonstrated the reality of it because he came to this earth. Now, at this time of year, Christmas is a time that uh, can be one of the happiest times uh, for many people, but it also can be one of the, the saddest times, you know, that culturally, that Christmas is a time of uh, uh, a lot of people really struggle with uh, loneliness. And, uh, and really, that's the difference usually between those who really love the season and those who hate the Christmas season, is those who are maybe going through it alone or feeling alone. Um, that's, that's a real thing. And there's a reason for that. It's because we were designed for relationship as humans. God didn't make us to just be separated, to be independent, to be lone rangers, to be on our own. Uh, we were meant to be in relationship. That's how we were originally designed. In fact, we, the word uh, created all things, right? We go back to creation. How do you make humans, right? First he started with a man, and then he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Amen. Right? So we recognize that separation is a hard thing. Uh, loneliness is a, is a, is, uh, robs our joy. It takes away our peace. There's something that can be torn in our soul and we're separate. In fact, the worst of all punishments that we look at or one of the worst is solitary confinement. It will, um, you could take the most hardened person and you confine them alone long enough and they will go crazy. It's punishment. It's pain. Separation is... A form of death, and I think for many people, sadly, in the darkness of the world, they feel very alone. That this world is a is a solitary confinement space for many, where they feel totally separated from other people and from God. And there's a reason for that. That it wasn't the way that God meant things to be, or He designed them to be, but He warned us that. If we didn't live in this world according to how he designed it, if we started to do things our own way, if we missed the mark, if we brought sin into it, that death would result. And sin is what really causes separation between us and people. It uh, what causes a separation between us and God. When think about it, our own relationships with God is at the times we feel closest with Him is when we're walking in the light of His truth and we're following Him and all this. But when we start to do things we know aren't right. It, it starts to make us feel that we have this, this separation. Well, there is a very real separation that happened between humans and God when we sin. It separates us completely. Uh, the holy God is, is, is not someone we can fully approach when in brokenness. But also sin separates us from other people. Now think about how much pride or arrogance or when we rip people off or do things. We, we do create this separation. I think about when I was a little kid and I would do naughty things, right? And I would know that I had done something wrong. The last person in the world I wanted to see was my dad, right? 
I, I would kind of hide from him. I remember when you know, I was playing uh, football as a, as a high school and I was in college. If, if I did something wrong, the last person I wanted to see was my coach or my other players. If I did something on a field and you know, messed things up, I, I, I wanted to really just go and hide inside. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to have a relationship. And the reality is that every one of us messes up. Every one of us has done things to hurt the people we love. Every one of us has done things that are not great. And every one of us has been hurt by somebody else. And all of those things, that missing the mark, that sin, separates us. Makes us feel unworthy, makes us feel angry, makes us want to not be with other people. And sin separates. That's what it does. That's the effect of sin. And this morning, we lit the candle of love. It reminds us that there is a solution to this. Because there didn't need to be. Hey, once we separated from God and we were on our own, he could have been just like, okay, good luck. He could have abandoned us like the deists think. He could have walked away. But today we were reminded that God didn't walk away. That instead he took on flesh and he came to be with us. And why did he do it? Because he loves us. Love is God's gift to a world lost and lonely. God did not sentence us to be con ever confined into loneliness. And that reminds me like the most beloved verse in all of Scripture, and there's a reason I believe it's the most beloved. John 3.16, that gospel that we began today, when Jesus explains to Nicodemus the purpose of him being here, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But the motivation of God to come was not just his righteousness. It wasn't just him to reclaim that which was his right because as creator, he didn't come over to just rule over this world, but he was motivated by love for us. What an amazing promise. What an amazing reminder of what God has done for us. And so today as we we look at this, this gift, we're going to unpack and unwrap this gift of love. And we're going to discover why God's love comforts us in the midst of this world. Why it's so powerful, uh, even for those who are lonely. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of 1 John chapter 4. Now, the book of 1 John is different than the Gospel of John. I know that they both have John in the name because they were written by the same guy, the Apostle John. And the Apostle John first writes the gospel, which is the story of Jesus' life. And then later on, he writes letters to the church through God's Holy Spirit, right? And these, the first one, longest of, of those letters that he writes to the church, 1 John. Now, the gospel of John really is focusing on, John is focused on the reality of Christ in this world. That the light, uh, the, <laughs> Jesus really was born. He really walked among us. The reality of God, where the book of 1 John focuses on the effect of Christ in this world. What, what is the difference that Christ makes in this world because he has come? And if you are in the book 1 John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 9, and you read this, it's getting near the end of his letter, and he talks about love a lot in this book, but he writes in this, he says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
So dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Isn't that a wonderful passage? And do you notice how many times the word love is mentioned there? <laughs> like, that God's love is central. The effect of Christ in this world is, is very profoundly described by this word love. You can't get away from what Christ did apart from the love of God. And the effect of what Christ does in this world cannot be expressed or experienced apart from the love of God. It's a rich thing. So why is God's love so comforting to us? Well, I think in this passage, in the Gospels, and, and in the experience of those who have been reborn, we're going to know this. The very first thing is that, that God's love is relational. That's why it's so comforting. That God's love, is, is, this is how God showed his love among us, that verse 9, that God demonstrates his love to us by coming to us. He wanted to relate with us. So how did he do it? He became like us. Now, uh, some of you who used to listen to the radio, it's a uh, thing that used to go across the airwaves and younger people, it's kind of like the internet, but it was old. There was this guy there that was called Paul Harvey, and I remember growing up and listening to Paul Harvey sitting around my grandma and grandpa's table, and I loved listening to Paul Harvey. And at Christmas time, he would always tell the story of the birds, and I don't know if you've ever heard that, but if not, let me share it with you. As he said, there was a a man and, uh, and his wife, it was on Christmas Eve, and he wasn't really very religious. His wife was, and um, they were going go to go to Christmas service and all this Christmas Eve service, and, and uh, he decided this night, he's like, I'm not going to go. Like this Christmas, I just feel like a hypocrite. I'm not going to go. It makes no sense to me why Jesus, like the, this whole Christmas hubaloo, all that kind of stuff, and so his wife ends up going to the Christmas service, and he stays home. And while he's there, it starts to snow, and it starts to snow really, really badly. It's a, it's a huge, huge blizzard, right? And uh, it's coming down really bad, and it's really cold, and, and uh, all of a sudden, he hears a thunk on his window. And he thinks, well, maybe there's like some hooligan kids out there, maybe throwing snowballs at his window or something like that. So he looks out there, and he can't see anything, and then thunk again. And then he realizes that it's birds that are hitting his window. They're trying to get inside because of the blizzard. It's so cold, and they can see the light of the window, and they're trying to get into the house, but he can't. And, and it kind of breaks his heart a little bit. And so he thinks, um, you know, I've got to help these birds. And so he trudges out into the snow, and he opens up his garage, and he turns on the light in the garage to try to get the birds to go in there. But they're terrified of him because... He's out there, this big old guy, and he's trying to shoo the birds into the, the warmth of his garage, and he, they just won't go. And so he's, he's trying to, to make them to, to go into the garage. So he, he lays down maybe some breadcrumbs and things like this, but they're just terrified by this man. And he thinks, what could I do to help these birds know that there's a way of life, that they don't have to freeze out here? I'm trying to help everything I can do. And he thought, if I could just be a bird... If I could just, if I could have been a bird, if I could be a bird, I could show them the way. And then at that moment, the church bells begin to ring, right? And, and he thinks of it. And it dawns on him the, the beauty and the necessity of Christ becoming human. That he showed us the way. That this terrifying and this amazing God who wants us to have life 
right? Demonstrating, showing us the way, coming down on Mount Sinai and all these things. And what did we as humans do? We ran in terror, but he became one of us. And he showed us the way. That God came to this world to reconcile us to himself. And he did that because he loves us. He is a relational God. God has not abandoned us, not in, as humans or even as uh, individuals. That God so loved the world, but God also so loves you that he gave his one and only son. If we would simply believe in him, we would not perish. We would have everlasting life and not separated from him, but reconciled to him to be his own child, that God showed us his love. He became one of us so we would get it. He wants us to know him. And I think that's why it says in verse 10 that this is love. Not that we first loved God, said, but that he first loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. To love at its very core, is choosing another's good above your own. That requires relationship. You have to know what the other person's good is. You have to want their very good. You, you have to care for them. And when Jesus came to this earth, as, as Pastor Jesse did such a great job in our communion, reminding us that you can't separate the, the cradle, the, the, the incarnation of God from the cross, the purpose of why he came. That Jesus didn't come to this world to show us, hey, I'm alive, too bad all of you guys are losers and you're going to die. He came to die on a cross for our sins so we could be reconciled. He became an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's why he came. That's how we know what love is. It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not just a desire for someone to do well. It's the demonstration of choosing another person's good above our own. And God did that for us. Therefore, love assumes a relationship. It assumes that there is a tie between the two, that there isn't an abandonment. There's not just an eternal brokenness. Love and God's love is proof that you are not alone. And there are times in life, for most people, almost everybody, that we will be separated from other people. There are times of loneliness, of brokenness in relationship. There are times when, when we may feel separated and, and very much like I don't have the relationship of other people around me. I don't feel loved by others. But I'll tell you this, there is never a time in a Christian's life where we are separated from the love of God. He will never leave you nor abandon you. He is with you and he has cared for you. And he has called you his own and he has made you part of his heavenly family. That God loves you. You matter to him. How do you know that? Because he came to this world in actual flesh. He was born. He emptied himself out. The, the immortal God, the, the, the king of the universe, the creator himself emptied himself out to become one of us to save us and to reconcile us back to him. That's how much he loves you. This is how we know what love is. And God's love is relational then. And if you feel alone right now, if you feel lonely, you feel like maybe you've been abandoned, like this world's a little bit of solitary confinement, I want you to know that God came into that cell with you. He is with you now. 
He's never going to leave you. and He loves you that much. And if he died on a cross for you, if he reconciled your soul, his Holy Spirit's never going to leave you. He cares for you deeply. And so you have a relationship with God. The amazing thing about that love, though, is it's not just relational. The other part is it's also transformational. Right? That, that, that this love changes us from the inside out. It helps us to become the people that, that uh, God made us to be. In verse 11, it says that since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Think about that. And that God's love doesn't just leave us in that broken space where we continue to sin against other people and continue the wars and, and the, the bitterness and the anger and the, and the vengeance and the, you know, I'm going to get back at you and you get back at me and the, perpetual, or the continual separation of, of relationship between us and other people. That really, if God's love comes into our life, if we have been received His grace, we've received His goodness, we have, we have the comfort of His companionship every single day, it does change us from being very needy, lonely people to being those who can then express the grace and the goodness and the love that God has put into our lives. It changes us profoundly that Jesus didn't just come into the world to demonstrate His love amongst us, but that His love would grow through us. It says, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. And you can only give what you receive, which is why the, the blessing of Christmas, the joy of Christmas, the, the true beauty of the Advent can't be celebrated fully until we have prepared our hearts and received the love of God first. But if we receive the love of God, this is a wonderful time of year to remember that it's also upon us to be able to demonstrate that love. Forgiveness, kindness, generosity, charity. That we get to declare the great peace that God declared between heaven and us. You know, there's that saying the counselors like to, to say that hurt people hurt people. And that's true. That in our poverty of soul and spirit, oftentimes we act like those who are impoverished and we take from others as much as we can and we feel vindicated and we feel, I've been hurt, so I'm going to hurt you. But healed people can also begin to heal people, can't they? And forgiven people can forgive people. And loved people can also love people. And we are a people who have been greatly loved. In John 13, the Gospel of John, it says this. This is Jesus speaking in the book of 1 John. Most of it actually centers around this particular passage. It's a very key portion of it. It says, a new command I give you, and this is Jesus speaking, Love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What is Jesus trying to tell us here? Anyone who's ever been a parent and knows if you've got to repeat yourself three times within the course of three sentences, you're trying to make a point. There's something really key in the midst of this that he has to command us to love one another because it's something we don't naturally do. The, the sickness of sin makes us selfish, and we love ourselves, don't we? Like, that's really the brokenness. And then as sin begins to, to destroy us, we also begin to hate ourselves. Uh, there's no love anywhere. So God undoes it. He loves us. And he says, all right, 
Now you've received this. This is what I want you to do. This is the mark of a disciple. This is how the world will know you're legitimate, is you're going to do what the world can't do on its own naturally. Love one another. What is love? Seeking another's good above your own. Sometimes that is forgiveness. Sometimes it's showing mercy. Sometimes it's not retaliating when they really deserve it. It's thinking of what the other person really, truly needs, regardless of the cost to me. Is this really going to help them? And so we must love one another. And we can do that because we've received God's love in great measure and consistently received God's love in great measure. Have you ever messed up, Christian? Have you ever sinned? Yeah, that's why we come back to communion every week, because I'm a, I'm a uh, repeat offender, right? I'm constantly messing up, and yet my God doesn't say to me, well, Aaron, I've forgiven you 70 times, seven times. You're done. He beckons me back to the table. Come eat with me, Aaron, right? Come, let's reconcile. Let's the relationship be tight again. And I've received that great love, but I can't just receive that love and then not forgive other people. And so God's love begins to transform me. There's a reason at this time of year, it's a time known of great kindness and, and of charity, all right, of compassion and generosity. It's a time for us to seek another's good above our own that we think of other people more than ourselves. It's a, that's one of the reasons for it. But, but that shouldn't be contained to Christmas only. That should be the life of the Christian because God changes us from these selfish little isolated lonely beings to those who have been reconciled with God, filled with his love, and it spills out. It, it overflows in our life so the world will know that we're truly his and we cannot claim that we're walking in the light of Christ if we're walking in such a way that we're not loving one another. In fact, even Jesus said, if you want to bring a great gift to the altar and do that, that's great. But if you've got a problem with another brother or sister, there's, there's something there that's unforgiveness. There's a, there's a, you messed up or they messed up. He said, go and reconcile first and then bring your offering to God. That we have to have a demonstration of love for one another. This is following Christ. It changes us profoundly from the inside out. And God's love does change us. I know a lot of you that have grown in faith and maturity. And the fruit of the Spirit is growing in you. And the very first fruit of the Spirit is love. And as you walk with Christ, the more easy it becomes, the more natural it becomes for you to, to follow after Jesus and to start thinking about others, not just yourselves, and to start acting in such a way that helps other people more than just what it does for you. That's the effect of a, of a Christian, but it doesn't just change ourselves. That type of love that transforms the believer in mass, as far as it comes to a church, begins to transform a community. Think of families in which the love of God begins to grow, where there used to be arguments and strife and right fighting and never forgiveness. When one person begins to say, I've been forgiven and therefore I'm going to forgive. I don't have to retaliate. I can turn the other cheek. I'm going to declare peace in the bits of this war because I serve a prince of peace and that peace is now inside of me. 
Now, when we begin to declare that, that transforms families. But as families in the church begins to love, if there's a community and people of Estes Park that truly love the broken and the lost and those that are confused and those that are even hostile to Christ, weren't we all there? And we begin to look and to see the needs of our world and not just see the enemies of God, but those who are lost in the darkness. And we care for them and we pray for them and we forgive them, and we serve them, not compromising what God has called us to do. In fact, practicing what God has called us to do. That changes our world. That's an amazing thing. That God's love is truly transformative, and you cannot look at history in in any other way and say that the Christ and his church have done more to uplift humanity, to bring goodness into this world than any other ideology, any other religion, any other institution, by far, that God's love is transformative. That's a great thing because it changes us from being isolated, lonely sinners into those who are deeply loved world changers. That's a pretty amazing thing. But I think the best part of God's love is, is while those two things are great, it's relational and it's, and it's transformational, What I love about this is the third thing we remember is that God's love is a gift. It's not earned. It says there in verse uh, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave, right? God so loves. God loves us. That's why he gives. And he gives freely. God didn't say, well, you earned my love. You people were finally worthy of receiving my salvation. It says, while we were still lost, while we were still sinners, that into the darkness, the light of the world came to reclaim us. See, love was a voluntary expression of God and receive his love as a voluntary response of the believer. That God's love is a gift. Think about this. For, for those of us who are like families in this time of year, a lot of times people give gifts this time of year. Then there's two different ways that families can give gifts. And the first one is through obligation. And it's a very different kind of mourning than those who, who give out of compassion, out of relationship. If it's a gift given out of obligation, then it's received with entitlement. And therefore, you open the gift and you're like, well, I had to give it to you. And it better be what you think you deserve. If not, you're going to throw a hissy fit. Right? And when I, the person who receives it may get the thing they wanted, but they didn't get any relationship. It was just an appeasement to their own selfishness. It's not warm. It's cold. And there is no thing in the world, no gift expensive enough to be able to fill the void in our heart that really is longing for love. But other gifts that are given are given out of love. There's just truly a gift. To say, I'm giving this to you because I care about you. If I didn't give you anything, you know that we'd have a relationship. You wouldn't feel slighted, but I give you this because I know you and I thought of you. And I want you to feel not just the the joy of having a thing, but to know that this thing represents my heart. And when it's received in that way, really the gift becomes way less important. It doesn't matter how expensive or not expensive it was, it was. It was the expression of relationship, of love, that somebody cares about me, that they have relationship with me, that I'm not alone. And those types of gifts fill our hearts. And they're rich, and they're wonderful. And those types of gifts are much more fun to give, aren't they? If you give a gift out of obligation, if I don't give this person what they think they want, then oh no, 
That's not fun. Versus, I found this, and I want you to have it. And then just the anticipation of seeing your face when you get it the first time, right? Just the joy, a totally different thing. God's gift of love is like that. We didn't deserve it. We had no entitlement to forgiveness or salvation or anything else. If anything, we were entitled to God's wrath, that we insulted him. We, we walked our own way. We, we, we did all kinds of things to separate ourselves from him while we were his enemies. God sent his son into this world to die for us, to reconcile us to himself. And he wants to give us that gift, not because he has to, but because he wants to so deeply. It's a gift you don't have to deserve it, even if you've been naughty. And that's the thing that Santa gets wrong, is he keeps the wrong kind of list. He separates between the naughty and the nice, and only the worthy get his presence. But God gives his gift to even those and all of us who are unworthy, because we're all on that naughty list, aren't we? But he doesn't have to check his list twice. He knew where he were, but he knew his heart, and he loves his children. And he gave us the greatest gift there ever could be, eternal life, forgiveness, reconciliation, relationship with our creator, reconciled relationship with one another. What a gift. And we cannot fully celebrate the incarnation of our Savior if we continue to walk in loneliness this way. That's why this week we celebrate this gift of love. Right? We recognize that God, His love is, is relational. And since He loved us, we get to love other people. And this is a time of year that we don't only just have the warm feeling of friendliness, but if you're feeling alone, if there is, a, if there is something that, that you've hurt another person, this is the time of year to, to reconcile. It's not the time of year for selfish pride or for, to be able to say, well, I, I, don't, I shouldn't have to, they were wrong too. Well, we've received God's love. It's a time of year for us to be able to declare peace. It's a time of year for us to think about the good of others more than ourselves. It's a time of relationship, but it first needs to start with God. And if this time of year you've been felt separated from God, you feel alone, unworthy, here's the cool thing, that God's love is not just, it's not just relational, it's transformational. That it came to change that whole dynamic between you and Him, and that whole dynamic between you and other people. And God has changed who you are profoundly. You're not his enemy anymore. You are his child. You're deeply loved. You're not alone anymore. You're part of his heavenly family. You're part of the church, a very real part of that heavenly family. You are not alone, and it's a gift. So how do you receive that today? Well, you know that I always give you next steps, and it's important that we take those. What a shame would it be for us to come to this season and to fail to to include the goodness, the love of God, to let it sink into our hearts and prepare us so we can truly celebrate who Jesus is. And so that's why this week, the first thing I'm going to challenge you to do is read 1 John. It is, it is a whole book about this love of what God has done, the effect of Christ, the reality of Christ, this world. This is what it does for us. And you're going to find something in there over and over and over again that talks about this new command to love and how it's practiced and why it's so important and the power of it to transform our own lives. Take some time and read God's love letter to you. Take some time 
in 1 John. And as you do that, the next thing is to receive God's love. We cannot give what we have not received. And even though we're his children, sometimes as Christians, we say, well, God, I don't feel worthy of your love because we're not. Sometimes this time of year we think, well, I've really messed up or I can do it on my own. But if we're really going to be transformed by God's love, we have to receive it. We have to accept it. And sometimes it's really hard for us because we know our failings. Well, here's a newsflash. God does too, and he still loves you. He's not surprised. He still came for you. He's still redeeming you. Maybe this time of year is to trust that love enough to be honest with God and say, these are my, these are my hang-ups, these are my questions, these are the things that I've got problems with, these are my doubts, but, but I love you. Maybe it's to receive his forgiveness. Maybe it's to say, God, I'm going to accept your grace today. A great way of doing that, receiving God's love, is in the morning, as, before, as you wake up, think of five things that God has done that you're grateful for, that he's demonstrated his love in your life, and just say, God, thank you for them. Thank you for that. That's, that's a great way of doing it, but we need to receive God's love. And part of it, if you're feeling separated from God, you're feeling guilt, you're feeling all those things, go back to him, right? That's a wonderful thing to do. Receive his love this week. Remind yourself of the truth of how much God loves you, proven by the incarnation. Something else for us as the church that we can do is love the lonely. Do you know that there are a lot of people in this time of year who, from a human's point of view, are very alone? They don't maybe not have family close by. Maybe they don't have any family around or anyone left. But if they're part of the church, they have a family here. What a great reminder that we can actively and intentionally to distribute God's love and to express God's love and to experience God's love by caring for the people around us, seeing them. So it's an opportunity to pray in the morning, Lord, show me those who might be lonely, those in the church first and those outside of it. Invite them into your celebration. Invite them into to times of gathering. Invite them into, let them know that you care and that you see them and that you love them. To intentionally love those who in this world would be lonely. It will transform you. It will transform them. It's what transforms us all. So, Love the lonely. Other thing that you can do for us is let's celebrate. This Saturday, we're going to come back together as a church family, and we're going to light the final candle on there, celebrating the light of Christ. Be here at 5 o'clock. We're going to be reminding ourselves and celebrating the great news of how much God loves us. Of course, the first thing you may want to do, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, receive his love. I mean, do it today. This is a great time. Why would you go through life separated from God? It says that we could, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, but it says that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And we would be saved by grace through faith, not by works, so we don't have to have anybody boasting and being all prideful, but just by grace through faith. If you have not accepted God's love by faith, then why not today? What a shame to walk through this this season, one more time, separated from God, without his relationship, without the transformation that he brings. And so if that's you, I'm sure you got questions. I would love to help you take those steps of faith. So after the message, I want to be standing right over there. Um, you can come and, and talk with me. In fact, if you just want some prayer or just uh, some encouragement, I'm, we'd be there too to chat with you as well. But um, if you need to, make that first step following Jesus as your Lord and Savior.
Alright, so as you all make commitments, take out your connection cards, let me know what it is. If you got prayer requests, write those on that connection card. We pray for you every week, and I love how long our prayer list is getting. And God is doing really great things. Like almost every week, I'm getting two or three people coming up to me and say, we've been praying about this, this is how God answered. So let us uh, continue to pray to our God who hears us, who loves us. And then at the end of uh, this time, we'll be uh, put your connection card and your offering basket along with your tithes and your gifts. Let's pray as we make our commitments. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much that you didn't abandon us, that this world is not solitary confinement, that it's not some place that we're to be isolated and alone, but you've given us reconciliation between us and you, that you've given us the opportunity, reconciliation between, between us and those around us, but even, Father, you've given us a family of faith right here in this world that none of us have to go through this life alone. You call us your bride, you call us your body, we are your family of faith. Father, I thank you for the love that you've demonstrated to us in Christ and through Christ. Father, I pray that that love today would saturate our own souls and our hearts and that there's any here today that are lonely, that, are, that feel separated between, uh, between you uh, or, or between those around them, Father, that you would begin to heal those wounds. You begin to undo the brokenness of sin, that you would reconcile the lost, that you would begin to, Father, bring that transforming life into our lives. Father, help us to receive and express your love. So, Father, today, that's what we're doing in our, in our commitments, that we're receiving and we're expressing your love. Help us to do that in a way that brings you glory, because you deserve it. And, Father, for our tithes and our gifts, we ask that you would take them today as well, not as gifts of obligation, but gifts of love. Use them to build your kingdom, Father, so that others can get to know you as well, and that the goodness of this gift of Christ would be able to be shed at, through this whole community and beyond. We pray all of this in the powerful name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.